Hey everyone, this is Greg. And before we start the podcast, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Our first sponsor is Cloud MLX from, you guessed it, Lone Wolf Technologies. Your MLS system needs a dust off, an upgrade, a fresh perspective. With Cloud MLX, the creative team at Lone Wolf have done just that. It's a redo under the premise, what if I could search my MLS like Google? You don't need to replace your existing MLS system software. Just provide Cloud MLX as the easy MLS search solution to your members. They will love you for it. Check out Cloud MLX and the rest of the Cloud Agent Suite at cloudagentsuite.com. Also, I'm very excited to announce from Rob Hahn, the Notorious ROB, comes the Notorious VIP. As a Notorious VIP member, you'll get exclusive access to Rob's intelligent analysis, written and audio commentary, plus op-ed style articles. The Notorious VIP is a monthly or yearly subscription for those in the industry that want to go a few levels deeper. So please sign up at notorious-rob.com. I'll put a link to both sponsors in the show notes. Also, if any of our listeners are interested in sponsoring the Industry Relations Podcast, please drop me a line at gregrobertson at gmail.com. Hey, thanks again for listening. And now on with the show. Hey everybody, and welcome to a very special edition of Industry Relations Podcast. Very special, with, very special. Very special with Rob and Greg. Uh, as you can see, I am uh, one of your co-hosts, uh, Notorious Rob. And uh, you heard the other co-hosts just chime in, Greg Robertson, the, the fabulous. We need, a, we need a nickname for you. Fabulous. Is, that's fabulous a- Greg. Fabulous GRG. I don't know. But uh, the fabulous Hola, Greg Rob. Robertson. Hola. But Greg, this is a very special episode because I feel like I feel like we've made it now because we have a guest with oh, us okay. that, no, no, you know, this is, I, I mean, this, this is shark. Yeah, we're yeah, jumping I the mean, shark right now. <laughs> right. Like we have finally reached the promised land. Right. Because we have with us Errol Samuelson, what? chief industry development officer, what? Errol, <laughs> Tom Rob. Hanks of real estate, apparently, according to Brad. <laughs> Rob, Rob, you seem to have forgotten. I've been on the show before. You know. I know, but yeah. you know. <laughs> You're spoiled, Errol. You're spoiled for everybody. Come on. You know, I want to try and pump us up. Good to be with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Great to see you again. Are you just, uh, so that view out your window, is that Seattle, Vancouver? Where are you? No, I'm, I'm sitting here in Vancouver. This is our, our Zillow office downtown. It's not quite as busy as it used to be. The restaurants are kind of quiet, but it's All nice right. to be in the office. Yeah. And for so, listeners, we, we record these on Zoom so we can see each other, but we don't really use the video. So that's what we're talking about here. We can see. Uh, yeah. Here. Maybe we'll have to change that in the future. But uh, just before we dive into the question, I, I'm just curious. Is that odd to you that Vancouver is probably less cold and less snow bound than Austin? <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been watching the news like, wow, you know, and all and, I want to know is, is somebody put Bob Hale in a safe location? That's all I care about. I'm certain sure he is in a safe state. location. Yeah. yeah. He's a state I, I I heard that Houston was colder than Anchorage, Alaska. Mm-hmm. Think about yeah. that. Yeah. 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 I'm telling you, pigs are going to fly next. 2021 is turning out to be quite a year. But uh, hey, welcome again to the program. But, you know, you could try and, pu- you know, say, hey, now that I'm here, you guys have made it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what should we talk about? Because there's not a whole anything lot going, going on. Zillow. Anything going on? Yeah, I mean, anything. anything? <laughs> it's been a really quiet week, guys. You know, yeah. <laughs> I might take the rest of the week off. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, listen, obviously, we're going to have to start with, uh, you know, the big thing. But uh, I guess I'll start with 
you know, my when I wrote about this, and I mentioned that you had called me, you know, to announce the news, and I don't even remember my response was just kind of like, "Why are you calling me? Because who cares? You know, it's like, okay, you're a big company, you're buying a small tech company. Why is this even news?" And then I was proven dead wrong because apparently the industry went completely apeshit. Bananas. So I, I mean, I guess my my first question, and I know you've probably you know made the rounds and told people. So let's start with that, right? Like, what has been the response to all the the storm and drang and all the consternation? Yeah, it's been interesting. So the you know obviously the day of the announcement, we phoned all of our partners, phoned the MLSs, phoned our, you know large brokers. Well, let's talk about. Why, I don't think we mentioned what is what was the announcement. Yes, good point. Thanks, Greg. So so we announced that we. I have an agreement to buy showing time. The agreement still needs to pass regulatory review, but you know, hopefully that happens. And um, we're excited. We, you know, we think that that Mike Lane and Scott Woodard, the guys who started that company, great people. They're staying on. Uh, it's a great product. You know, we're we're excited about it. But to your point, Rob, you know, and you guys may have some ideas because I, I am struggling a bit to understand some of the negative reactions we've heard. We've tried to be really clear. We are going to keep it as an open platform. So we're not, you know, everybody's welcome. We're not going to just say, well, this is only for premier agents or something like that. So open platform. We've been really clear that we are not going to misuse the data. Showing time has very, very strict privacy policies and we're not changing those, you know, so, so we can't go and peek at the buyer's name or their email address. And we can't, you know, see how many showings a certain property had and then try and suggest that, well, maybe this is a hot property or not. I mean, so we just can't use the data. So open platform can't use the data. We're not going to bypass agents. I mean, I read on one Facebook post, I guess it's my fault for being on Facebook, but um, <laughs> where, where, where they said, you know, Zillow is going to try and bypass the agent. And I, I kind of scratched my head and said, well, you obviously don't understand our business. Our whole business is about connecting consumers to agents, not bypassing them. You know, I'm not sure what it is. I, I don't know where some of the energy is coming from. Really, I think the only thing that we said we were going to change is we're going to spend more money on research and development, and make the product better. So, you know, maybe you can educate me, Greg. What do you think? Why are people so nuts about this? I think I think it's a it's a combination of, and I think you know we had Nick Bailey on, who's the chief customer officer at Remax, and he'd he'd kind of say that that he made a quote from Steve Murray, who had said this industry always is looking for a boogeyman, and if there's not a boogeyman, they're going to create one, right? So. I think there's a little bit of the boogeyman type of thing. I think there's a lot of people are pent up in their houses. This whole COVID kind of quarantine has like made everybody just a little bit stir crazy. And that I think amplifies things. And it's just an uneasy time. You know, you, you co-star, you guys becoming a broker, all these other kind of announcements are going on are just too much for people to kind of thing. And they're just lashing out. Right, without really having um, any sort of the election. I mean, look at just culturally. I mean, everything that there's a lot going on in this country, right? And and I think that just kind of bubbles up to places that we don't normally see it before, right? Where it just becomes this angst and this, you know, everything else. I mean, I I, I tweeted this. I overheard somebody say that, you know, these agents and brokers that were like uh, spouting off these conspiracy theories about Zillow and showing time were giving the QAnon guys a run for their money. I mean, it was just some of the stuff that was coming up with was like, what are you talking about? Mm. Right. But I, I, I really don't think, I mean, there's, I think there's something culturally that, you know, that is, is causing these kind of, you know, conspiracy kind of theory things. And I think it's, yeah. it's having to be, you can't kind of, um, 
unwind it from the echo chamber of the internet. And we're all stuck here in front of computers or in front of our mobile phones and everything else. I mean, that's, that would be my overall arching thing. I think that there's something to that, but, um, I, I mean, I think, me. yeah. I think I look, I, that may be one of the better explanations I've heard. I think everybody is a little raw right now. You know, yeah. I feel it right. I wouldn't mind going down to Palm Springs or actually go to a restaurant would be fine yeah. too. Yeah. You know, <laughs> come, come down to Vegas, man. Our, our restaurants are open. I'm just saying, and the okay. Vegas economy could use the money. But know, uh, all right, so they'd, they'd, they'd never let me back in the country, Rob. I'd, I'd be stuck. I'd, I'd, well, have to, I'd have to move in with you. That's fine. We have a spare bedroom. Right. You know, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, Sonny's a great cook, you know. But so let me ask a, just a, the, the most basic question Why'd you guys buy Showing Time? It's really straightforward. There is a, a problem right now where buyers want to get in and see a home. Right. And a lot of times that showing doesn't happen. Here's the sort of the progression is, you know, five years ago, we were talking about how half of internet leads never got responded to. And so that was the big challenge. Okay. How do we get agents to respond to consumers? It's good for the agents, by the way, but it was also a really bad consumer experience. And so we, we built an app and then we created a call center where we would call the consumer back and then find an agent who could take the call in real time. And so we solved that problem you know, the vast, vast majority of, of consumers get an answer within, you know, a minute or two. Um, and then we hit the next wall is now that the agent is talking to the consumer and, and the buyer says, I, oh, I love this property. Can I go see it? You would be surprised, like double digit percentages of the time that the showing never happened. We would go back and ask the consumer, did the showing ever happen? They say, no, you know, my, and it wasn't the agents. It, it, it's complicated because you got to align the, the schedule. Agents, with, the agents didn't show up. Was that the problem or what was the, what's no, the, typically what they, they just, they just couldn't coordinate, they couldn't coordinate schedules in a timely manner to get the buyer's agent, the buyer, the seller's agent, the seller, maybe there's even a, a tenant in some cases to coordinate all of those schedules and actually get that consumer into the house. Now, you know, I mean, the, the agent will continue working with the buyer and maybe they see a different property, but it just seemed like a tremendous miss to us that when a consumer wants to get in and see a house, that's a that's a high intent buyer, right? And so we looked out there in the market and said, well, who's doing a good job of, of trying to solve this and showing time by far? They've got their call center, they've got the software, they've got an app that the owner can use to show their own availability. And so if we think if we can solve the get buyers with their agents into houses- okay. <laughs> quicker, more seamlessly, it goes back to our thesis. If we can help reduce friction in the real estate transaction, everybody wins. And maybe, just maybe, you even have more transactions. Yeah. I guess the question is, okay, that's that makes all the sense in the world. But showing time, at the time you guys bought them, were like almost at a million realtors, right? Million users doing yep. just about every MLS. Brokers love them. Agents use them. And as I brought up in the post, like I've been in board meetings where the MLS board is considering making usage of showing time mandatory because, you know, one of the things about showing time or any type of platform is it doesn't make sense for one agent to have it. And then no other agent has it, right? Then you, it doesn't work. Like you, you have to have network effect. You have to have everybody do it. Yep. It went from that to overnight, we're all going to drop showing time. What's the alternative? And the only thing that changed is you guys bought them. Right. So, I guess what I'm kind of wondering is showing time was already solving that problem, right? Why did you feel like you had to own them? We thought that by investing in them, we could accelerate adoption, number one. So if you're in a market and maybe only 60% of 
the people are using the app. Can you get the 60% up to 90%, right? Are there ways, can you provide incentives to do that? And can we invest more heavily into the technology? They, they, they're a successful, growing, but small company. And we have a, a appetite to spend more money on research and development than they would have, that, that they could have afforded. And so we thought we could simply accelerate. To your point, that they, they were already, you know, 75% of the way there on the journey of, of right. automating or at least streamlining is maybe a better word, uh, get showings. But we thought if we can speed them up by five years, right. that's good. And to be really clear, you know, we're not we're not a charity. We're not doing this just out of the goodness of our heart. Okay, we <laughs> we believe that if we can get more showings happening more quickly, that that agents, but including our customers, premier agents, are going to do more deals, and they're going to close more leads. And when our advertising works better, we benefit. Okay. So in that context, in the earnings call, Rich Barton made this statement relating to the showing time acquisition. And the way he kind of phrased it, I don't have the script, the transcript in front of me, but the way he kind of phrased it, some did like the focus was some how showing time is going to benefit offers, right? The Zillow off the iBuying program, right? And the general philosophy that Rich at least seemed to articulate was the idea that, look, we're doing a lot of technology development for our offers business. And a lot of that stuff is going to make its way into the general industry as a whole, right? So number one, is that true? And number two, if it is, how exactly will showing time help offers? I didn't hear quite what you heard. Okay. Uh, yeah. And there's not really a strong connection between the offers business and right. showing time. They're, they're kind of different models, really. Because this one of the things I pointed out is like, right now, if I want to go see a Zillow-owned home, I can walk in using my app. That's it's like you just walk up to the front door. Yeah. yeah. So what so, I need showing time for, right? So that yeah, I didn't. So I, I, didn't I don't understand that. I don't. I don't think he was making that explicit tie between offers and showing time. I think that he was probably making a more, more general statement, which is yes, there are things that we are learning in the Zillow offers business, which we are then taking back to apply to, you know, everyday business. I'll, I'll give you an example. So yeah. on all of our Zillow offers homes, we always have a 3D tour, and you know the reason is. The home sells faster. So what we found is in general, not this is not just homes that we own, but in general, if you have a 3D home tour on that property, on average, it will sell 10% faster. Like that's a pretty mind-blowing stat, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, out of the gate, we could afford to say we're gonna put a 3D home tour on every one of our homes because it's our house, we can do whatever we want with it. And then when we discover that certain things work, we can say, okay, well, let's bring that back to the market, you know, mm-hmm. in general for, for the general resale market. Okay. So the showing time in this case was, I guess another way to think about it is why even showing time? Why not just do the app? You know, there's a Zillow app, Insta access, like why go through showing time? Because it's the professionals, the agent involvement that you need to make this work in the remarket, right? So, so if you have an unoccupied home that we own and we've got security cameras in there and and we want to take the risk of do that, yeah. Yeah, and we want to take the risk of letting consumers go in, and maybe they'll right. steal the appliances. Or maybe they want. Time has has seen by this point every little nuance of how something can go wrong. They have the staff. I mean, it's it, it is you're just you're just accelerating you getting good at that. I mean, it cost you five hundred million dollars, but you you got that right. And then I think the upside here for you guys is really easy for me to see. I mean, and, and I, this is something I talked to Scott and Mike about about a, a lot. Like we used to be 
you know, part of the mutual admiration club where I love their model. I love the, you know, everything that they, the, the depth that they had and, and the reputation they had. And I'm like, you know, and, and, but I said, you know, you could really use a, some work on that UI. <laughs> you know? And he, he looked at us like, God, your stuff is so beautiful. Cloud CMA and the rest is so beautiful and everything else. Right. So we always, I always thought like there was a, a potential match there where we could kind of really just kind of, um, uh, really make that more of a, a beautiful experience um, too. So I think you guys are going to do tremendous things. And and agents, I think once they see what you and both those teams can put together, it's going to be amazing. You're right. From a tech perspective, the, these guys have figured out every edge case when it comes to touring, including like there was this one feature. As you know, as they're demoing the software to me, I was going, "Wow, yeah, I would have thought of that." This is clearly 20 years of experience. There's this one feature where when the agent finishes the tour and leaves the house, a lot of times the agent apparently would forget to phone the seller and say, it's okay, you can come back. So the software does that for them automatically. Yeah. I mean, it's it's sort of the subtle little feature, but I was like, that is, that's really useful, you know? Right. But to the your nuances, point- The nuances that all that yes. kind of, that years and years of experience brings yes. it is, is, yeah. It, it's what makes the product great. Now, to your point, can we take some of the designers who- you know, design the screens on Trulia or design the screens on Zillow and say, can we make the user interface cleaner? Sure. And that's what we plan to do, you know? Right. But, you know, quite frankly, making a user interface clean is a lot easier than figuring out all those business rules you know, that's well, design, design is not only how it looks, but how it works. Right. So it's like, well, true. there's half the equation there a bit. So I think, I think once you do both, I mean, it's just going to be, uh, it's going to be un- unstoppable in, in a sense there, if you can, if you can get that right. So one thing I want to ask is, you know, if I, if I go through the checklist of rumors and the conspiracy theories, right. And you can answer this or not. Right. One of them is, you know, they had to buy this and the multiple was in such a case that because they had to keep it out of the hands of CoStar, right? And those guys have been changing their narrative against you guys, like it seems like every week, right? But was that a factor in the purchase of Showing Time? That's a yes or no um, question, Harold. <laughs> <It, laughs> I'm not aware that CoStar was interested and or even making an offer on the deal. So you not aware. You, that's not a yes or no. So you're you're not. No, no. I'm, I'm just saying. Listen, you're, you're, you're telling you're telling me that that CoStar was was sniffing around or was going to make an offer. I don't know if that's true or not. You may have data that I don't have. This was not about a defensive move of or trying to stop CoStar or CoreLogic or someone else from buying it. This was literally, you know, we, we had this aha moment that we we need to fix this this showing problem. And yeah, it was expensive for sure, um, but we happen to think that the the benefits, if we can fix that problem, make the price worth it. Yeah. And, and I think if the way you described it makes total sense to me, but I, if I look back at the press release and, and maybe this is a, a, maybe a, a learning moment, a teaching moment for all of us, like, you know, you guys are going to have to do the full, full media blitz for anything you do. Right. But I mean, if, if I don't know if I really got, I mean, I think we talked, but I don't think I got from the press that was out there. It's like, we're trying to solve this problem. We've tried to solve this problem. We've done a good job with that. Yep. Now it's a, it's about getting all these disparate people into the same place at the same time. That's a hard problem showing, and, and, and we're having some issues there and showing time has shown that they're the best at doing that. And that's why we did it. 
right? Yeah, I don't know if right. that, I don't know if I, I really, if that's the first thing that jumped out to me, or maybe it was, maybe we buried the lead there in some of the press release or the materials going out, but that seems like a very reasonable, I, I get Greg. that. <laughs> Greg, Greg, so the, I, the, you're, you're going right to where I kind of want to ask Errol <laughs> next, so you guys both answer, but if we're going to reel about it, right? Would it have made any difference? Here's what I mean. Like, look, some of the stuff that's out there, it's like, and 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 people are like, oh, you're Rob, you're you're a shill. Like, I've I've gotten called a Zillow shill. Like, you're getting paid by Zillow. I'm like, God, I wish. You know, it's you know, it's stuff like that. But fundamentally, it's it's literally things like showing. I mean, Zillow has come out on a, on record, and they're a public company. So if they lie, their executives go to jail, right? They are not lying and they say, we are not touching the data. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. And then the response is, well, they're lying. Don't you remember what they promised? Uh, they weren't going to be a brokerage and now they're a brokerage. Don't you remember what they promised this and now they're this. So it's like when the other side literally thinks everything you're saying is a lie, how do you, does it even matter what you say? Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I hate to say that. I hate to think that. Yeah, so let's turn know. that to Errol. Like, Errol, how, do, how are you guys dealing with that particular problem? Like literally where nobody believes you. Like, is that a media thing? Like, how do you? Or, or really, like if you, if, you really, if, you, if you really think about it, if you put yourselves in these agents' shoes, is there any kind of understanding you can have about that? Right. You know, it's, first of all, it's not nobody believes us. You mentioned Nick Bailey earlier, right? This is a guy who, He's been on every side of the equation, right? He's been an agent, a broker. He's worked at you know two different franchisors. He worked at Market Leader. He was at Trulia. He worked for a little while for Zillow, you know. And he looks at this and says, "Yeah, I get it. You know, I'm a rational guy." There's there's a bunch of big brands that we've spoken to, big national brokers, you know, uh, that we've spoken to. And they're like, "Yeah, we're not worried about this." You know. I think Gary Keller says we're in a fight. Yeah, I, I didn't see the the vision speech, but that's what that's what Inman said. So yeah, so so some people get it, and that's great, and we appreciate that. I enjoy working with, with these folks. I don't know about the people who just assume that whatever we say it, it's a lie. I don't know how you counteract that, quite frankly. I and mean, what we've tried to do over the years is real estate being sort of a very personal business. To it doesn't scale, but we've tried a lot of one-on-one -on -one communications with people. If someone's got a problem, we'll call them up and say, well, let, let's talk it through. Right. But, you know, that doesn't work if you have 10,000 agents who are, who are worried about something. And I think, I don't know if this is, goes back to Greg's comment about the culture that, that we're in at the moment, but no one bothers to check the facts. You see the tweet or you see the post and there's just sort of this assumption that it's correct. And that can really wind you up, right? And then you tell two friends, you know, no, it, again, I think there is a bit of that in our kind of thing. But then let, let's go back to another thing. You guys launched in 2006, right? It's 2021 now. Yep, 15 years. 15 years, and this is still going on. Is there really, I mean, if you do a little navel-gazing, right? Is there anything, I mean, everybody makes mistakes, right? Or something, but I mean, can you empathize at all or see anything in in the past or something that, you think, that Zillow thinks... I mean, it's been 15 years, right? And this is, yep. you read the comments and it's just, it's, it's you know, the the vitriol and the the, the angst and the everything that they have on there is just, it's, it's crazy. Do we just write it off to some of these other things? Or is there something that like you, I mean, you've been in the industry way, but you were moved before that. 
you know, you've been a leader in the MLS industry for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you take if you take your kind of Zillow hat off now, if that's even possible, is there something in anywhere that you could kind of look and, and self-reflect or that maybe Zillow as an entity can can self-reflect? I mean, I, I, I don't know, Greg, it's I think it could be a few things. So on the one hand, you know, if if I had my Zillow hat, I'd say, listen, Greg, we've been around for 15 years. More people use agents today than they used 15 years ago. Commissions are essentially the same as they were. There's more agents ago. than there've been. 15 more years agents ago. than there's ever been, right? The market's on fire. There's, we think there's going to be 6.7 million homes sold this year. Everybody's going to be making money, you know. So help me understand the harm that Zillow's done. I would say, 10 years ago, agents were spending or agents and brokers were spending five billion, okay, on newspaper ads. They're spending about a billion on Zillow, and I don't know what the numbers at Realtor. Let's say I don't know half a billion even call it a billion. So, so now they're spending 2 billion on digital ads versus 5 billion on newspaper ads. So they just saved $3 billion. So that that's not a bad thing. So I, I could kind of go through the list of like, I'm sorry, how have you been harmed? Right? No, no, you could go the arrogant route. Yeah, absolutely. But, you could. <laughs> or thank you. That was nice. Uh, or you could go the other route and say, look, Zillow did some things that agents don't like. They didn't like this estimate. Okay. When this estimate launched, you know, it had a greater than 10% error rate. And that drove agents crazy saying, how, how do you put this number out there? But it's not, it's not accurate. It's better now, but I could see that that was frustrating. I think there is frustration, quite frankly, around any time someone gets big. I remember back in sort of the heyday, like 1999, 2000, when Homestore had a $9 billion market cap and they were buying everything. I mean, pick a company, they, they bought it, you know, wildfire. I don't know how we missed on yours, Greg, but um, I met with Peter Taffin. Yeah, (laughs) there's a whole, there's a whole, by the way, uh, podcast on that, that topic right there. But, you know, and, and, and Homestore did a lot of things that was worthy of being hated for. But part of the angst at the time about Homestore was just that they were big. This is an industry of entrepreneurs and small business people who I think sometimes this is sounding arrogant. As I say, I don't mean it to be that way, but I think sometimes just as an industry, we fear big. Big is not, we don't like it, right? So there's a bit of that. And I do think that anytime there's a change, people are, are, are going to wonder, you know, how is this going to change my life and my business? And I was talking with one of our marketing people about showing time. And they said, you know, the difference between showing time and a lot of the other announcements you guys have made is that showing time is this, is this thing that feels more personal. It's on your app, on your phone, you interact with it you know, on a regular basis, it just, it feels like you have a bond to it. Right. And then when someone comes in and says, well, we're going to, now we own this thing and you wonder, well, is that going to change it? That can bother you. Let's go deeper here a little bit. I feel like a psychologist, but like, is there anything in, in that you can look back in Zillow's behavior that you could see that kind of made a distrust be amplified? Are there any things that Zillow's done that you can look back and go, yeah, that's probably, I mean, I would say one of the things, the easy thing to say is, you know, I won't become a broker, right? And that's ridiculous to say something like that because you're a business, you're going to grow, but that's something people seem to harp on, right? Look, that's fair. We should never have said that. We said it in the context at the time of what brokerage meant at the time, right? Brokerage meant the traditional put the sign on the lawn, conduct an open house, you know, like we're saying, I'm not going to be a cab company. Oh, right. I yeah. think though, I don't, hold on a second. I don't, I still don't think Zillow's a broker. Well, this is my, my point, yeah, Rob no. is, is it, but no, but look, we have a brokerage license in this one arm of our business, which is iBuying, which is very, very different from traditional real estate. And quite yeah. frankly, people who sell to an iBuyer 
there's a reason they're not going traditional. And and so we didn't even anticipate that this thing I buying was going to exist. We didn't even, we didn't invent the space, no, right? Course. Someone else no, did. No. And then we said, oh, well, I, I, I see it. Well, we should probably be in that business if and, we don't. And you guys experimented. You did the initial Zillow. Remember the initial Zillow offers platform was just a connecting. It, I mean, it was a marketplace. Yeah. yeah. It, which yeah. Turn, All right, well, hold on, hold on. But like, I mean, Let's go yeah. down this route, route a little bit, okay, right? You, so, all right, all right. You see, you see that. I mean, you you know, you talk about that. You don't really recognize. Maybe it's not a broker, but you get that, right? You get that people like latched onto that statement, right? Sure. Yep. Any mm-hmm. anything else that you can kind of see here that is a behavioral thing that maybe caused. I feel I feel like you've got something that yeah. That, what are you getting at, Craig? It's, I, I, it's like I, a therapy spit it session. Out, Greg. Spit it out, Greg. Greg wants Greg sitting on got you sitting on the couch, and he's like, "Let me ask you: Is there something about your marriage that you think exactly?" Right. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I don't. Ha- honestly, I don't have anything. I'm just wondering. <laughs> I, I'm trying to th- think if like if there's something. I'm really trying to get to like a core level with you. Like if there's other things that you can kind of like. Um, feel that maybe agents have. have so kind of- I, I think I actually can answer. Okay, that. Rob's, okay. Rob's got the answer. This is not a real popular perspective, but I think I'm right on this. I think there are two fundamental problems here, right? One is Zillow from the very beginning was consumer focused. So when Truly was around, I remember writing a, a big report or a post or something, and I, I have to find it. And realtor.com, Move was the dominant portal at the time, right? And Zillow was a newcomer, and Truly was a newcomer. And I remember I wrote this after I visited the move office, right, in um, Westlake Village, right? And I remember thinking, okay, the difference in the three companies is that move was industry-centric because there was, you know, they had the relationship with NAR. So they were always thinking about what is best for the industry, what is best for brokers and agents. Trulia, I really felt was employee-centric, where Trulia would think first and foremost about what is best for our employees, Right. And Zillow, you went and visited the Seattle offices. It was consumer centric. It was like, what is best for the consumer? Right. So, I I mean, I actually think that is the root of the problem because what that interfaces with is the fact that we have too many agents who suck ass. You know, I mean, there's just no getting around it. Right. Like, if Zillow didn't exist, think about raise the bar, all of the conversations around all these incompetent agents, blah, blah, blah. All right. What are the two things that you just told us about in this podcast, Errol? One was agents not returning, you know, inquiries, right? Like a consumer come in and say, I'm interested in this house, and half of them would just go unanswered, right? I mean, this problem isn't a Zillow problem. This is just an industry problem, and people would bitch about it forever. Zillow comes along and says, okay, we're going to do something about it. And the second one is, I want to go see this house and it never happens, right? Like, I don't know how else, if, if you say, okay, we are going to focus on what's best for the buyer versus what's best for the agent. I don't know how we don't arrive at this point where there's going to be tension, where there's going to be struggle, where there's going to be that. I mean, is that not an explanation? It, yeah, I think there's something in that. And I think, by the way, just because you're doing something good for the consumer doesn't mean it, it necessarily is at odds with what's good for the agent, right? But no, hold um, on. But it's very important. If you're doing something good for the consumer, it is necessarily at odds with someone who's a bad agent. Sure. But right? that's, and that's that's the distinction that's, that we're just I think not that, making. Like, that's true in any business though, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Unless you are industry-centric, in which case it's not about the consumer. It's about Good agent, bad agent. They're our customer. They're paying us. We're going to do what's best for them. I do think, though, there's something in what you said, which is I think in the early days of Zillow, 
the company was entirely focused on the consumer and actually just wasn't paying attention to the agent. It wasn't even, it wasn't even arrogance. It just, right. they just weren't right. thinking about it. And I think, but I think the problem is it came off as arrogance, right? It came off as you don't recognize the value that we deliver. That's not the case anymore. I mean, every consumer study we do shows that, that people want to work with an agent, right? Good agent, right? To your point. But I, I do think in the early days, the industry felt unappreciated. Uh, that may be where, where mm. the root of some of this. We don't feel that way anymore, but yeah, there was no, that. There was definitely a big shift, right? I think, um, you know, I think they went through some, I think really to me, the biggest one was when you and Kurt went on, on board, right? Especially around yeah. that post hub time and, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So that was a, that was a, a definitely a big shift there with the yeah. community well, and everything else. I think the other thing that, that became clear. So if you, if you talk to like the founders and the early folks for the company, the, the very first thing was, was turn on the lights, right? Was the thing that it would always say. So it was get the data out there. But then as, as time went on, it became really clear that if you don't try and help fix the industry sticky points, which means actually helping agents, then, then, then that's the end of the journey. You turn on the lights, but so what, you know, you can see what a home is worth or what's for sale, but so what? it's still as painful as it ever was. You know, it's right. not that much better than the MLS book in some ways, right? Right. And so that's why I think you saw the first bits of realization of that was in 2015 when the company bought Dot Loop and everyone lost their collective heads over that one as well. But it was because it was like, oh, okay, we need to have uh, e-signatures and digital forms. And I think it, that was sort of the beginning of this journey of saying when there are adoption issues or tech issues that we can invest in and, and change. So, I mean, now Dot Loop, is used in about half of all real estate transactions. That's yeah, light years, yeah. light years ahead of where it was. But hey, quite frankly, th- I mean, we love the fact that people use our software. But you just use software. Let's start there. Use one of your products. Use one of ours. But don't sign with ink. Right. Right. I actually think there's another factor here too, and I think I might have mentioned it years ago. Maybe it's I don't know. So I'll just throw it out there for you guys to consider. Part of the problem could be sort of. Um, I don't know how to put it, but maybe like a social class and age issue. Because I remember thinking this, and this was a few yeah, years ago. Yeah, you've said this before. Yeah. You've, and I'm yeah. on stage and I'm looking at like, and I think it was like Spencer, you know, was on stage and then Greg and Errol. And everyone's like, they're young, they're Harvard, they're Ivy League, they're Stanford. They're these, in other words, they look a lot more like Google and Facebook executives. And then you look at real estate, you know, and it's, it's mostly older they're not they're not Stanford, you know, Ivy League grads necessarily. They're more I went people. to school in Canada, but okay. But you know what I mean? Like I feel like there's something to that, right? So which is why I kind of feel like Jay Thompson, when he worked for you guys, was such an effective voice because he really was like one of us, right? And well, I think I mean he, he, listen, he had credibility, he'd done the work, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. It's one yeah. thing to sort of you know watch the football game, it's another thing to play in it. But what I mean is he was also not, you know. Stanford engineering and Harvard MBA and all this stuff. Like, and I get it. Like when you're a big company, like that's just natural. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. It's, but I think there I think might be much more to, to that. Maybe. You know? I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, moving on. So where you go, right? This is something I picked up in the rich Barton earnings call, right? So you guys just, I'm just going to ask you. All right. It here we go. really felt like his emphasis is Zillow Holmes. It really felt like Zillow. He well, talked a lot about Zillow 2.0. Right. right. They they kind of said it. Of course it was. 
But I want to just kind of take get Errol's take on it. Like, is is that a fair interpretation to say that the focus is offers, the focus is homes, and this other stuff is kind of no secondary? No, it's it's not. It, first of all, it's not an either or. Um, if you go back and listen to it, I try listening to it through this lens, which is the focus is on how do you digitize and streamline the transaction. Okay. Now, now Zillow offers is clearly a way to remove friction out of the transaction. But really the goal, if you think about it, look at the, the, the volume of homes sold traditionally, you know, over 6 million this year, we expect, versus like the relatively small number that all the iBuyers together are transacting. If you're going to change the consumer journey, you can't just have this iBuyer experience, which is very streamlined. You've got to fix or streamline the core resale experience. And so if you listen to what Rich is saying, what he's really saying is it doesn't matter which path. We have an in- internal um, metaphor we use, the bridge. Okay. And there's different lanes on the bridge. And one is a renting lane and one's a, one's yep. a, a buy traditional lane. Yep. Okay. Yep. And the point is we got to get you across across the canyon, right? And you pick your lane. You pick your, your own adventure, right? And I think what you, if you listen again, what you'll hear him saying is we got to fix all those experiences. And by the way, People don't stay in the same lane when they're on the bridge. You know, something like half of buyers are simultaneously thinking maybe I'll rent. You know, so how, just how do you just get rid of the angst and the unnecessary overhead in general? I think that's what you would have heard. Mm, okay, I have to go back and reread and you know re-listen to some of those. But I, I think the impression Rob, I is got that, is that the know. analysts, when you get to the Q and A part, the analysts are particularly interested in the Zillow offers business because it's it's new and they're still looking at the unit economics and they're trying to figure out how it works. And so, certainly in the Q and A, you'll probably get a lot more questions on that side of the business. But that's really driven by the analysts more than than necessarily what Rich or Alan are saying. Uh, it's it's possible. Like I said, I'll yeah. go. So, but it, hey, you know, I'm going to take your word for it. If that's not how you're seeing things, then it's not how you're seeing things. The PA business, it's a it's a great premier agent business. It's it's a great business. It's con- yeah. it's continuing to grow. It grew tremendously in Q4. You know, we like we like that business. Yeah. No, Susan and her team are just kicking ass. I mean, it was it's, and I didn't think that it would be that easy to step into you know Greg's shoes, but damn, like that team is. No, she's it. done. She's done a great job. Yeah. yeah. Which is why she was one of my seven most interesting people. But all right. So if that's the lane, hey, let's, Robert, uh, Robertson, have you ever been on his list of the most interesting? Because I, I know I never have, and I I'm no, just starting to wonder. You two about have this. never made it. Yeah, no. uh-huh. yeah. interesting. No. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a thing. Maybe next year. Maybe this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> all right. So moving off, you know what you just said, what you mentioned. It seems to me that the biggest barrier to this sort of smooth digitized transaction all of it right like the source of most of the pain most of the sticky is our mortgage finance system it's, i mean it's part of it yeah it, there's there's a, there's a lot i think even before that that's painful but yeah that that part i think introduces stress and uncertainty to your right, point. and i felt yeah. like the delay the uncertainty all of it just seems related to the way we that our system that we finance mortgages right mm-hmm. so I know you guys have Zillow home loans, right? I know this was a big initiative for you guys. Any sort of thoughts on like how you're seeing the the lending process or you know any innovations that you guys are looking at in that area, arena? 
Yeah, and again, that, you know, future forward-looking statements. So if you, can, you can't speculate, just say you can't speculate. But no, no, I, I think that the challenge in the mortgage business is that it's highly regulated, right? And and that the rules are set by people like Fannie and Freddie and and HUD and CFPB and yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, in order to get real innovation in the mortgage space, the, you you need to get the changes upstream. It's not the mortgage lenders who can really make a difference. I think the good news is you're seeing. Well, and look, those guys, they're super risk adverse. They should be almost destroyed the economy 10 years ago. So, you know, I think that's wise, uh, but that's where the change has to happen. And so until you see change upstream, I don't know how much innovation you're going to see at the consumer level. Unfortunately, there's not, there's not within reason that much we can do. Could we create it like a nicer user interface? Sure. You know, lots of companies are doing that. Lots of fintech companies are focused on it, but. Yeah. yeah. What I'd like to see is, I mean, I th- it's a great point, Rob. I mean, and I think you're, I mean, Errol, you're exactly right. It, it is a policies kind of thing you have to look at, right? But, but you know, I look at companies, and I've always loved this company. You know, Divi Homes, right? Yeah, they they're, just they're, raised a bunch of money. They're they're changing the way what home ownership is, right? So in our the way things are now, you're either like a renter and have no liability or anything at all, or you're a homeowner, you have a hundred percent, right? Mm-hmm. How about a situation where, you know, Goldman Sachs owns half the home and I own half the home. And if it goes up, we both benefit. If it goes down, we share it. We share that type of thing. Or let's say maybe it's not Goldman Sachs. Maybe it's Zillow. So that there's Zillow, maybe it's not just the way you, the transaction is easier and the frictionless transaction, but why not think about, I think that'd be a great acquisition. Why not think about how you change the concept of home ownership? That to me would be like a next level thing for you guys, right? Um, and that's regulation. There's some other things on there, but you know, you guys are. I think I saw Spencer interview Obama at one point back in the day, right? I mean, so somebody had those kind of relationships back then. So maybe those can be refired up again. But I think like Zillow has that a unique opportunity to 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 kind of maybe go in that direction of just changing what home ownership means. So so I. Think you're right that this notion of ha- like having someone else on the balance sheet of the house or or you know the the rent to own stuff or yeah or, I mean right. I, I want to buy a five hundred thousand dollar house but I can only hold only afford two fifty in the five hundred thousand dollar house it's in a better neighborhood better schools yep right I'll share the wealth I'll share the I'll share the risk just so I can get my kids in another yeah. place right I mean that's there's there's a lot of beautiful things there that can happen I've been watching this space sort of. From outside looking in with great interest for the last few years. I think there's yeah. there's something there. It's not something we're working on right now. I mean, you know, there's only only so many oceans to boil, right? Yeah. But, yeah, um, yeah. but I, I think you're right. I think there's some really interesting innovations. And that could do a lot for responsibly increasing the home ownership rate. You know, I think the problem we had last time around is we said we're gonna increase home ownership by just having no dog oh. loans and you know and, and interest only loans, and we're just we're gonna load you up with all sorts of risk you shouldn't be taking on. That's the irresponsible way to do it. I think, you know, hey, we are going to come up with innovative ownership models. I think it's, yeah, I think no, it's yeah. fascinating. It, you know? Divi is yeah, you, doing some cool this 6.8, right? You know, let's talk about 7.8. Let's talk about 9.8, right? Let's let's get people in better neighborhoods now, you yep. know? I mean, you know, you talk, what what is what is the challenge? Affordability. Mm, there's so right? many challenges, man. Well, so many things, you know. It, it's for, affordability and supply, right? Those are your two big issues. And one drives the other, you know? And, it, and then- Supplies tied not only to 
fees and and you know regulations, but also uh, as you said, there's there's only so many oil motions to boil for sure. Yeah, you know, NIMBYism, zoning, yeah, school, yeah. But here, I mean, yeah, I think that the thing is, and we don't have to get into it t- today, but I mean, the whole work from home thing. If you can now live in Montana, okay, but yeah. but w- keep working for your company in LA, uh, that changes everything, you know. And so I, I think it's yeah, but stick. that. Errol, that has to then be combined with school from every, every, anywhere, right? And so I've, I, like I'm now on record as saying school districts, right, create systemic racism and create systemic inequality. So until somebody could tell me how that's not the case, I'm going to hold to that. But we, I know we only have five minutes and I, I wanted okay. to ask you because right. we had you on a total, total switch. Okay. Because Greg brought it up, but, you know, we were talking about something else. What is your take on CoStar? It's too, I think it's too early to say what they're going to do in residential. Okay. I mean, it's pretty clear what they did in commercial. And I do think that residential practitioners should educate themselves on what happened in the commercial space. I think, I think that is a case study that is worth looking at. And I would, I would heartily recommend that people do that. In the re- <laughs> in, in, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. In the residential space, they've made a lot of noise. You know, Andy Florence has come out and said, that he he thinks the Australian model is great. And uh, he said that in his in his earnings call. I just philosophically disagree with him. If, okay, if, why? In Australia, you don't have MLS, right? So so you don't have this marketplace where you've got buy side agents and sell side agents where you have separate representation. So the buyers generally go on unrepresented. Commissions are a lot lower, you know, 2%-ish, but they're lower because the buyers aren't aren't getting the service they need. You know, I think it's a false economy. And then you've got one company, REA, which sort of has almost monopoly power when it comes to being the sort of listings Sound database. Familiar. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. and you know, <laughs> Greg, 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 Greg. I mean, the whole the whole point is we have MLS, right? So every so everybody has access to listings in this country, and there's multiple places you can get information. That's not true in, in Australia. So I don't know if if he's saying. That's the future he wants for for residential real estate, or if he's simply saying that REA makes a lot more money on agents per capita than than portals do in this country. I, I, I'm not sure what that means, but I guess it, for me it's a question mark. You know, saying that that you know we're the enemy. It's it's a it's a convenient trope, but you know, I don't know. What do you what do you guys think? Uh, so wait, but really question. So do, if if that's how you, in other words, if their project is doomed to failure, do you guys see them as a serious competitor? Do you see them as a competitor at all? We just don't spend a bunch of time looking in the rearview mirror. You know, this is where Microsoft went astray years ago, mm-hmm. right? They got obsessed with the competition and stopped innovating. I think the best way to compete is to keep pressing forward with your vision, look through the windshield straight ahead, and let the competition do what they want. I mean, is that. Nothing we're going to do is going to change their plans anyway. They're going to do what they're going to do. But but not what do you what do you think about CoStar? What's your take on them? I I mean he wrote a great paper on it. I, I actually just bought Rob. I haven't read it yet. Did you? I, I didn't see the purchase come through. Yes. Um, Thank you for doing that. I, 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 but but without reading that on the top of my, off the top of my head is like I don't see any way that CoStar really becomes successful without the end of cooperation and compensation, right? And that's yep. to me. If you're not paying attention or you don't care or anybody else doesn't care, I think that's a big what that we have to pay attention because I don't think Andy wins unless unless cooperation compensation goes away. That is true. And dear listeners, if, that, if that's the case, that's a problem because we, we have it's something 
we have something very special in the US and Canada, which is this MLS cooperation mm-hmm. and compensation thing. You don't see it anywhere else, you know, nope. in the world, really. And I, and I think agents here, my listing might lead, and they get all enamored by that, but they don't understand what the consequences of that really mean in the world and the context that they're saying. They don't understand what that really, really entails. I, I agree. I think you I think you should do a whole podcast actually on what that world looks like. It's a pretty dystopian, dark future, if that were to ever happen. Well, I, didn't we already do that? Like I've been I feel like I've been talking about this lawsuit from the very moment it was filed and people still don't understand it. Like, oh, NAR will beat that. I'm like, no, NAR is not gonna beat that. Yeah, but this is not this is not like a lawsuit. This isn't like individual suit. This is like a company with profit motives going in there head first into you know making making all this happen, right? That's where I just, so I did a, a an interview with Joe Rand, and we obviously talked about this and tussled. And my and so I and answered your question, Errol. Like, you know, I, I wrote a hundred and ten page paper on this topic, uh, which you should go purchase, everybody, because like Greg did. I, I believe uh, I believe I did purchase it, didn't I? <laughs> I don't I don't know if you've paid me yet actually for that, but uh... <laughs> next Tuesday, it's the text in the mail, Rob. I pay you whatever for a burger today. My my theory is that no, they're not going to create any of this. They're not going to make any of this happen. I think COSAR is entering our space because they expect the government and or the courts to do it. And they will be there then to pick up the pieces. And from that standpoint, I do think COSAR is a very serious competitor to Zillow because I don't know what Zillow would do. So all of us. It, to, well, yeah, I mean, but- Organized real know, estate. Well, organized real estate would be completely hammered. ML, MLS will, they're going to be in deep, they're going to be in deep trouble. But everyone's just like not paying attention to it. And I'm like, that's fine. Don't pay attention to it. But that's what I, that's my thesis. I don't think CoStar is going to come in and create this. I think they're just expecting it to happen. Well, e- either way, and I know everyone loves to dunk on the MLSs, but an, an industry without MLS is a very different, it's a very different industry. And it's I don't commercial think, real estate is, is what it is. And I don't think that's an industry that's good for consumers by any means. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it certainly is bad for agents and brokers, you know? So as much as maybe we like to complain, yeah, we should, we should hug and embrace and support the MLSs. All right. Hey, I know we're running out of time. Uh, this, okay. like, we, we should just do like a four or five hour thing. One of these days, Errol, cause <laughs> we could just literally talk about everything, uh, including like Canada, not letting you back in and, and all of that. But, it'd, it'd uh, be great for insomnia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Hey, let, let, uh, I'm sure I speak for, nah, I'll just speak for myself. Thank you so much for coming on with us, Greg. I know you feel the same. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was fun. It's, it's always a pleasure. Uh, one of the smartest minds in our industry to just talk about whatever with. And uh, I feel like one of these days when travel is lifted, like when we see each other again, right? We do have to go to karaoke because I'm just saying, <laughs> I don't know if we've ever done that, Errol, but Greg I'm is amazing. Okay. I'm, I'm count me in. All right. Oh, if you haven't heard right. Greg do karaoke, you haven't lived. That's how I look at it. So we got to make that happen. So once again, thanks again. And uh, thank you to all of our listeners, because without you, we wouldn't we wouldn't bother to do any of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Earl. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. And uh, we will see you around and talk to you all next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Industry Relations. Rob and I both appreciate your support. If you can find the time, please visit wherever you listen to your podcasts and give us a five-star rating and write a quick review. It really does help the show. Thanks again. And from Rob and I, be good to each other.